Well, this is footy's equivalent of the journeyman. Since 1954, Albert Park has gone through three name changes, three club songs, seven home grounds, some scintillating home and away performances and pure heartbreak on grand final day. Five times in the club's illustrious history has their senior side made it to the big dance and five times they've fallen short. Three times the reserve side has tasted the ultimate success with the most recent club premiership being in 2002. While they may not be the most successful on the field, it can't be denied that their club has a rich history spawning from an eager and involved Melbourne workplace, one that has proven to unite the current players to respect the sacrifices made in the past. And even though they don't have a senior premiership to show for their decades of blood, sweat and tears, they have many inspiring men and women who came before them, leaving a respectable legacy as hard workers both on and off the field. They are the giants of Albert Park who paved the now Falcons' path to greatness in Melbourne's football landscape. Hello everyone and welcome. This is the Club in Focus podcast. My name is Joe Pignataro and it is great pleasure that I welcome in the voice, the face and the best dressed man in the Amos, Mr. Nick Armistead. Hello, great man. Hello, Joey. Thank you for that. Not quite the best dressed man in these times, sitting in my lounge room wearing SFA, but I'm very excited for today's podcast. The first of many that we hope to come for this Club in Focus where we're just going to brag about all these clubs. And I'm, I'm glad it's Albert Park, this first cab off the rank. Sensational club with a few little interesting things that I can't wait to get out today. No, I cannot wait at all. And the, uh, the podcast would not be possible without the help and the support of Mequicare, who jumped on board the Ammos last year. Nico, they are a proud partner of the Ammos in 2020 and will be hopefully for the next few years to come. They've been around since 1959, Nico. So we thank them for their support. Today we're going to focus on the Albert Park Footy Club. They're currently in Division 3 after playing off in the Division 4 Grand Final last year, which I know we're going to talk about very, very shortly. We're also going to hear from former president, club stalwart, current player Tyson Cattle. The current president, Matthew Kostorfen, is going to join us as well as the current club captain, Nico Tommy Wilson. But I'm most excited to hear from Manny Nicolosi. A lot of people in the Amos will know who that is. And we're very much looking forward to chatting to Manny about his feats with Albert Park. This club, Nico, formed back in 1954. And as we mentioned, they have not won a senior premiership as yet. Yeah, it's currently the longest streak without a senior premiership of any club in the VAFA, which is disappointing, but also super interesting in a lot of ways. They've been there on that last day in September a few times, but just unfortunately been unable to get across the line, most recently last year against St. Francis Xavier. I remember when I joined the Amos, Michael Sholley, the then CEO, He's big on the uh, history of the amateurs and understanding it, particularly if you work within it. And we were talking about Albert Park for about an hour, an hour one day, just in a little back office. And he was just telling me how it all started back with the ANZ Bank and the bankers. And I thought that was really interesting. In that in 1954, when they did come to be, there were nine clubs that entered the Amos that year and only four remain 
today. So it's Albert Park, clearly, Old Kerry, Old Geelong, and Old Trinity. So when you look at that, and the other three clubs that have survived are all all boys, and then you've got Albert Park who have done it by themselves. They've faced their own challenges, granted, but they've still made it to this day. And you look at the other clubs who haven't made it to 2020. You've got Hawthorne, the insurance company, Social Club, the National Bank, Preston, and South Melbourne City. So there's a few bank clubs there too, which obviously Albert Park started out as, and they're the only one to make it through. So I'm really interested to talk to Tyson, to talk to Matt about the history of the club later today. Absolutely. I think it was set up in its origins by uh, people who worked for the ANZ Bank and naturally they just called themselves the ANZ Bank in 1954. I saw a few photos doing some research ahead of this episode where their original jumper is, I'm pretty sure, navy blue and it's just got the gold ANZ words in some sort of old style font on the front, kind of like what Carlton's original jumper looked like back in the early 1900s and they've worn in heritage rounds in the AFL. But, of course, these days they strut around in what looks like the Port Melbourne jumper for VFL fans, red and blue. You mentioned those five grand finals they've played off in, Nico. E section in 1958 was the first time they reached the big dance. They went down to St Kilda. They didn't get a taste or a sniff of grand final day in senior section until 1991, where we believe Manny Nicolosi was part of that team. Unfortunately, they went down to Alstonwick by 10 points on that day. Again, in 1999, they rolled around into the grand final. This was in F section, which would be the current Division 4. They lost to the Ely Park Sharks by 14 points. 2009, they went down to La Trobe. This is their most successful year on the field throughout the home and away season. 17 wins, just the one loss, and then they lost the grand final to La Trobe. And as we just mentioned before, and we're going to chat to Tommy Wilson, the current captain, about last year's heartbreak, where they went down to St. Francis, who had that all-conquering year. And Nico, you and I have done the Amos podcast for a couple of years. I think it was the year before, which would have been 2018. We talked about the struggles that Albert Park were having then to turn their season around last year and get to the grand final in itself is a successful year. Unfortunately, they still don't get the Premiership Cup and the flag, so I'm sure in their eyes they don't feel like 2019 was a successful year. But this year they'll be playing in Division 3 if we do get football. It was an absolutely fantastic year in a lot of ways. And, I mean, yeah, they'll be disappointed that they didn't win that flag. But the fact that they got there, the fact that they introduced their first women's team, their social functions – from all reports have gone through the roof. Although looking back at some of the notes from the fifties and sixties and seventies, it sounds like they liked to party back in those days anyway, but it's <laughs> gone to a new gear out at Albert Park down at Bow Repair Pavilion now. And I was just thinking though, how they all started as bankers. Imagine this day and age, Joey, if your whole team was made up of bankers, you'd be playing William Buck Premier because that's basically all the Premier <laughs> boys do these days. They're all bankers, they're all investment, that sort of thing. That'd be a, bloody premier side to be perfectly honest wouldn't get beaten so no I, I i imagine that they going back to last year i imagine that they see that it was it was a successful year in a lot of ways and hopefully if we do get some footy this year we can see them out in division three this is the growth that the ammos have had nico since 1954 at the time 2726 players were registered now we know at the start of every year the ammos will boast and rightly so about how many players are part of their competition this year i think it's is it nearly 14,000 going into Correct. 2020 and over 70 senior sides across the men and the women's competition? In all in all, over 320, 330 teams oh. when you take into account <laughs> thirds and all that sort of thing. So it's absolutely amazing. And the fact that a club like Albert Park, which has notoriously had just probably a senior and reserves men's and a club 18 side, 
which is now obviously added the women's and hopefully you'll see at some point um, under 19s as well. The fact that they've survived and thrived for so long is an absolute credit to all involved there, a few of which that we're going to be talking to. Now that we're doing this podcast and we're about to have our chat to our first guest, what are you hoping to find out or what are you most intrigued to find out throughout the next half an hour or so as we delve into the Albert Park Footy Club? Well, as I said to you, I, I love the history of all clubs. Um, it really gets me going. So I, it's particularly Tyson who's been there for quite a few years. I look forward to talking to him about how all that happened and the amalgamations and everything that they've gone through. But I cannot wait to ask him about just that. And it's a disappointing aspect of it all, not having won a senior premiership, but just their thoughts on it and if it drives them, which clearly it would, but how much of a premium do they place on it rather than just being a destination club for for people in the area and that sort of thing. So I really do uh, look forward to talking to them about that. It's going to be absolutely fascinating to hear about that and the fact that they haven't won that illustrious premiership. The last time they did taste success in a flag was in 2002 in the reserves where they beat Werribee. I'm fascinated, Nico, that since 1954, they may not have won a flag, but they've had seven home grounds. They just keep relocating. They were forced to uh, a few years ago when the facilities were upgraded. That was in the middle of the uh, mid-90s, around the time that the Grand Prix came to Melbourne in 1995-1996. One of the challenges this footy club faces is that at the start of every year, of course, the Grand Prix rolls into the Melbourne Arena around the Albert Park Lake, which forces them out of pre-season, the back end of the pre-season, and the opening five to six rounds of the season, which means they don't get to play at home until I think it's early May, about the time when everything finally clears out of the area. Now, they seem to be the one that's affected in that precinct because we know, covering William Buck Premier, that collegians don't seem to have major problems with that. Powerhouse are in that same location, but it seems like Albert Park are the ones, whether they've drawn the short straw in some sort of deal, I'm fascinated to know how they go about recruiting players because one of the pulls to most people is you get to play in the area that you grow up in or you live in, and they don't get to do that in the opening part of the season because of the Grand Prix. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when you get someone coming to the club, like let's take, for instance, Tom Wilson, who we're talking to today, the captain, is so he comes from North Tasmania. What do you say to someone from North Tasmania who's come over to Melbourne, whether it be for uni, whether it be for work, for whatever reason, and then you say, oh, we want you to come down and play for us. Like it's a great vibe down there, all this sort of thing. But for the first month and a half, we're going to be playing elsewhere. We're not going to have access to our home ground. So, no, I'm interested in that and the Grand Prix and the sort of challenges that they face because of that. Well, Nico, I'm very excited to chat to our first guest in the Club in Focus podcast. He's the former president of the Albert Park Falcons. He's part of the playing group, I believe, still. He's a club stalwart. He's turned the club dead around. Oh, he's done everything that the Albert Park Footy Club could possibly wish for. His name's Tyson Cattle, and he joins us. Hello, Tyson. Hey, mate. How are you? Good intro. Thanks for that. Oh, it's just one of the best. We only do that for the best around here. Now, Tice, I don't know where to start because there's so much to talk about with you, but we just came off the back of talking about the fact that your footy club at the start of every year gets impacted by Formula One zooming around the Albert Park Lake. It impacts the pre-season and it impacts the start to every season for Albert Park. Can you just take us through how big of an impact and a hindrance it is to the Albert Park Footy Club every year? Yeah, mate. Yeah, it's not um, it's not the best start to the year. Particularly, um, look. So we kind of relocate off off our oval in probably about February. Um, we usually plan for about twelve to thirteen weeks being off our uh, off our ground. So that's sort of February through to May. So we play the first sort of five or six games away, and even at that time, 
sort of bit touch and go to see what um what sort of the oval conditions like by the time we get to round six or seven. So it's pretty touch and go. But um, mate, that's pretty significant for us, just largely, you know, particularly because February and March, as you guys know, is for any VAFA club. It's you know that's your core recruiting time essentially. So um, look, it gets us up to oval one, but I mean we don't have access to our club rooms or our change rooms and still portable toilets and all that sort of stuff so it is a bit of a um bit of a headache but um but you know we've sort of tried to manage it as best we can and tried to get through it i guess other clubs in that precinct affected as well in terms of the collegians powerhouse ajax or does the brunt of it fall onto the albert park side of things mate certainly south melbourne and um and powerhouse are, are impacted um definitely ajax and collegians probably not so much We've kind of built up a bit of a relationship over the years, I suppose, between the clubs because we kind of support each other through the uh, the Grand Prix period. But there's no doubt probably we are the most impacted just because, you know, where our oval is at that very first bend of um, of the Grand Prix, I suppose. And we have a big giant stadium that pretty much goes across almost just about a third of our ground, if not half a ground. So, um, you know, it's a pretty big, uh, big thing. Uh, for us, but it's not a great, great look, and it's not a great start for us. But um, and you know, with oval conditioning and that sort of stuff, is always um hard at the best of times, given that we're in, in Melbourne and it's always bloody raining and wet and whatever. <laughs> but uh, but we're trying to make it work as best we can, I guess. And from a recruiting side of things, does it impact the fact that you can try to get players across, or is it a selling point that you get to play alongside the great Albert Park Lake, where once a year the Grand Prix does come down and race? But it's probably I probably wouldn't say it's a, a selling point because I mean one of the one of the things that we, we you know we are um, difficult I suppose where we are is that we've got as you said five clubs all in such a close radius or proximity to each other each other so we're kind of probably got the lesser of the facilities of of all of them so we kind of our selling point's more about a bit of club culture I suppose a bit of uh, off field culture and, and those sort of things as well which is good so. I mean, we've got other benefits that we, you know, being a player-driven club and a player-run club, which um, some of the other clubs aren't. Um, we certainly really push that case as much as possible. But in terms of facilities, I mean, you know, powerhouse and collegians and stuff are, uh, I mean, that's what we strive to be. Um, have, you know, a nice uh, picturesque sort of oval and picturesque sort of view and really capitalise on where we are, I guess. Tyce, when you talk about having a good off-field culture, what does that entail? When you're talking to a prospective player coming over, um, and you're trying to recruit them, what are the sorts of things that you'll sell to them as to why they should come and play for Albert Park? Mate, it's a good question. We we sat down probably oh, probably three three years ago when we were really struggling with numbers and thought, what's kind of our point of difference, I guess, as a, as a club, given that, you know, we've got Powerhouse in South Melbourne, particularly around the same division, um, just up the road with better facilities and less impact from the Grand Prix. So what we came back with was, Mate, that pretty much it. You know, we're we're a player-driven club. You know, we've got we've got a a lot of sort of past players and stuff that support and those sort of things in terms of they might pop down every every second Saturday or whatever and support the boys and sponsor us through their um through their business ventures and those sort of things. But not a lot of the past players are really involved at a committee level or anything like that. So it's really up to really up to the playing group essentially. So it becomes really difficult where we say. And we implemented something a few years ago to say, you know, if you're on the if you're on the committee, then you can't be part of the playing leadership group as well. If you're a good guy and you want to come down and join the Albert Park Falcons, it really means you've got to roll up your sleeve and be prepared to to get involved. You know, a lot of clubs will say that they've got their 
no dickhead policy, I suppose. But I mean, that kind of acts as our no dickhead policy in a sense that if you're not willing to, to roll your sleeves up and have a crack and support the club and do the little things, you know, take the bins out and vacuum and, and uh, run the canteen every so often and all that sort of stuff, then um, and we kind of really don't, yeah, don't really sort of want you down the club, I guess. So it's kind of worked in our favour in that sense that the people that we do recruit are pretty pretty genuine, I suppose, and they actually want to get involved and, and help the club progress, which has been uh, which has been good. It's amazing that you say that it's a player-driven club because as recently as three to four years ago, you guys were in quite significant financial debt. I think you're in about $12,000 debt. And now you've worked that around where you're probably ahead 20 to 30K. I want to know what sort of things you did and how you overcame that significant debt. Because looking back through the history of Albert Park, there's always been challenges, but you always seem to overcome them. Mate, yeah, that's right. I mean, that was um, that was just before sort of took on the presidency, I guess, and um, kind of drew the, the short straw at the time, I guess. was still having a kick, and it was kind of 20, 26. I'm still having a kick now, but it was 26 at the time. And it was kind of myself, um, Lucas Ganeel, who was our secretary and now is our women's coach, and Jack Amy, who was our vice president and, and captain the club at, um, at different stages. Kind of, I guess we sat down and just sort of thought, well, what do we do? We're in twelve and a half grand of debt. We kind of don't really know, you know, how we're going to pay the next next run of bills and all those sort of things. And do we really want to continue the club, you know, going forward? I suppose. And it wasn't until we really sat down and we thought about it and we thought, you know what? I'm from WA. Jack was from uh, he's from Queensland. He moved down here. Um, Lucas was from out in the Yarra Valley. You know, this is our social circle, I suppose. So, you know, we've got all our best mates. Without the Falcons, we wouldn't have the social circle that we that we really rely on. I suppose all my best mates are, are from the club. So we kind of thought, well, you know, that plus the history around the club and those sort of things that we wanted to keep it going. So, you know, we kind of just takes a lot of time. And, you know, the coaches at the time, I think Shops was coach coaching. who was a, a long-time stalwart of the club. He gave us a bit of freedom to sometimes we had to miss training and all that sort of stuff to to essentially go and attract sponsors and go and have these conversations outside of work times and all that sort of stuff. Um, it took us some time, but we were pretty grateful that we had, you know, a lot of a lot of past players that sort of um, wanted to help us out. We had, you know, good uh, community support from Republica and College Lawn and those those, those sorts of guys um, that have been sponsoring us for a while that helped us get it through. And that plus, you know, probably um, introduction of a bit more uh, tighter management around money where, you know, we, we really based our budgets around things that were an absolute necessity as opposed to a luxury. And that sort of um, came at a cost to our footy department, to be honest, for a couple of years. But now we're in a really good spot where, you know, we can start thinking about some of those bigger picture projects like improving facilities and improving ovals and those sort of things. And, you know, what last year we got the uh, women's team up and running, which as every VAFA club would know, that that's not a cheap exercise either. So we wanted to keep the cost down for the girls as well. Was, that participation level sort of rose and made it's all worked out for the best. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can just keep it going now. Nick's fascinated and so am I, to be honest, about the fact that <laughs> there is no senior flag hanging up at your footy club and since you've been around since 1954, obviously it's something that every club strides for, but from what it sounds like talking to you today about the financial turnaround and the fact that you have got the men's reserves and the women's team going pretty strongly and they're all in good positions, do you see that as, as success around the Albert Park Footy Club for the time being until there is a flag hanging up? Yes, we would class as it. It has success, I guess, in the off-field. But, mate, the ultimate success is, is, is seeing the flags, absolutely. So, 
I mean, we got bloody close last year. Um, unfortunately, we kind of didn't really fire too much of a shot um, in the grand final last year against St. Francis, and they were the better team on the day. But certainly, we're, we're improving. Um, we're sort of better understanding, I guess, our, um, our on-field capabilities and those sort of things. And um, hopefully, that culture aspect, while we stick to that, hopefully, it's... Um, you know, brings in a, a really good core group that can uh, lead us to a couple of flags. But I think um, I think we're in the right direction, so um, we'll just keep at it. Are you going to go around again this year if we get some footy played a bit later on? Mate, absolutely. I bloody, I'm, um, I'm supposed to play my 100th game this year, and uh, I think I've got about six or seven games to go. <laughs> so I'm hanging out for a game of footy, to be honest. I'm just going, and you know, I've stepped back from the president, so this year I can actually focus on having a kick. So, <laughs> mate, I'm, I'm ready to rear it and go, to be honest. Hopefully we get get cranked up pretty soon. We hope so, Tyson. Good luck if it does come around. And for everyone at Albert Park, all the best in 2020, mate. We appreciate you joining us on the Club in Focus podcast. Thanks, boys. Appreciate it. Tyson Cattle, the former president, and uh, on his way to 100 games for the Albert Park Footy Club. He will join, I reckon, in the not-too-distant future Albert Park Life membership or going beyond the call of duty as a player, committeeman, a supporter, and, of course, a presidency. There's a long list of people who have joined the Albert Park Life Membership. And I know you've got a few in front of you that have just tickled your fancy when you were going through them. So how about you start off by going through a couple because I've got a few more I want to talk about here as well. Well, we'll start with W. Keith Finlay from the 60s and 80s. He was secretary for 10 years. He introduced and ran a little tats competition through the ANZ branches. Obviously, no, we know they were all bankers, and he ran that for many years in the 60s and 70s, and the club was left in an excellent financial position through his efforts. So you've got to love that. You've got Mrs. Bev Jackson, one of the women that have been made a life member of the club, the wife of Jet, a tireless worker in the canteen at social functions for 30-plus years, and that is just simply amazing. The other one that stood out to me was um, Birdie uh, N. Pearson from 1960 to 2004 as a player and a supporter of over 250 games. He was captain and reserves coach, committee president, and a principal contributor to the production of the club history. But they just finish it off by making the small, short little comment that he loves a party. And (laughs) from what we can tell, Bone Repair Pavilion or wherever they were from their seven different home grounds over the years, they've always loved a party down at Albert Park. You know what I love about all of them? It's the longevity in some of those numbers. Now, there's a few more that I've just pulled up, including... Brian Christensen was a member of the inaugural team in 1954. They described him as a rugged ball player. He was a captain, a committeeman, the president, and over 50 years of supporting the Albert Park Footy Club is absolutely fantastic. Frank Lyons is an inaugural team member. He was captain coach in 1956, and I love this one for on-field achievements. Peter K. Trelevin from the 1950s to the 1960s, Nico, eight times he won the seniors best and fairest at the footy club. And in 1962, he became the first member of Albert Park to win a competition best and fairest when they were in D section, which uh, is the Alice Pepper medal. 1962, Peter K. Trelevin, Captain Great Rover and loved a party as well. There's some fantastic little anecdotes alongside some of these names. Some of the unacomp best and fairest winners that they have had. Jay Towen. Does that name ring a bell at all to you, Nico? J, uh, sorry, not J, G Towen. G, G, not J. G Towen, no, In 1977, no, 
He is a superstar who played two games for the Mighty Magpies in the VFL in yeah. 1982. I'm surprised you didn't get that. I thought you would have known that being an AFL tragic that you are. Well, uh, is that the reason that I can see? And we're watching each other on Zoom <laughs> as we record this podcast. And you've got your little muscle shirt there with your skinny little spaghetti arms coming out. But it is a Collingwood muscle shirt. Is that for G-Town, is it? It certainly is. And if uh, if Gordon's around, g'day, Gordon. Hope you're going well. And uh, go the Mighty Pies. In 1991, John McDonald, he won the comp best and fairest. Now, that year they played off in the grand final. Unfortunately, didn't get the win. But that's a good season to put together, to play off in a grand final side and win the comp best and fairest in F section. Uh, 2015, Bo Coyle was part of the Club 18 side who won the comp best and fairest. But there is one man who we're actually going to speak to, Nico, who is well known around Ammo circles. He's about to join us. We're talking about Manny Nicolosi, because in 1992, he won the E section comp best and fairest. And Nico, we are told he used to kick bags all over the place. Let's have a chat to him right now, Manny Nicolosi. <laughs> So I don't know about that. Uh, like most footballers, I didn't didn't mind kicking the odd goal. I uh, I enjoyed uh, enjoyed playing playing in the forward line towards the uh, the end of my time at the footy club. Great footy club. Great footy club. How did you end up down there, Manny? Take us through your footballing journey and uh, when you ended up at Albert Park in 1989. Well, I hadn't played for a few years because I'd uh, I'd played at St Bernard's, not in the uh, in the Amos, but in the uh, in the junior ranks during the 80s, and uh, ended up injuring a knee in the mid-80s and then hadn't played for a few years and uh, started a, a degree at, at uni and um, uh, doing some part-time work for my, uh, who was to become my father-in-law who had a carpet business and uh, one of their uh, biggest clients or their biggest client uh, was the ANZ Bank. During my degree, I ended up uh, doing a bit of work a bit of work in town at the ANZ Town. I took into Collins Street there and um, met Harry Birkenfeld who at that time was the uh, president of the footy club and uh, I was pretty keen to get back into it, and I was working with a fellow called uh, uh, John McDonald, who you know well, who's now at uh, at Zula, and we were both uh, laying carpets. Uh, uh, he was doing it uh, full time, and I was doing it part time to supplement my uh, my pretty meagre sort of money I was getting getting off at uni. And we uh, we got invited to go down there, and uh, ended up playing there for I was there for four years. And Jack was probably there for about uh, seven or eight, so. Uh, yeah, good days. Really good days. What type of player were you like, Manny? Like, we now watch your son run around for old Trinity in William Buck Premier, and he's probably got the best pair of hands of any forward in the competition. I want to know if you had that vice-like grip when you were running around. Is that the type of player that you saw yourself as? <laughs> um, look, yeah, I, I was a bit, bit, bit <laughs> like Sebastian, probably not the quickest bloke in the world, but fairly strong overhead, but we're both calling with six footers, unfortunately. I... Uh, uh, both just a, a tad under six foot tall. So I played. Look, I played most, most, most and I enjoyed my footy the most when I was sort of running around on the on the footy ruck roving. And then uh, I did a groin towards the end of the second last year, spent the last year at full form. That's where I sort of stayed the rest of my career. Um, once I once I'd left uh, uh, the uh, ANZ Bankers, then modern Navy became Albert Park. I thought I'd just throw him a lot with the old Zavs and uh, see how I went uh, up a few grades and. Um, yeah, played most of my footy sort of in the forward line from that point onwards. But uh, uh, they were a really good club, I've got to say. Uh, the ANZ Bank, um, you know, even at that time, you had uh, people that had followed them for years and years and years. Uh, old fellow called Alan Heaney, every game. Uh, Bob Burgess, who recently died. Tommy Brain, Linda Brain. Uh, it, was, it was a really enjoyable time. And even though we were playing initially F-grade, then sort of got up into Roo, 
we took it fairly seriously. Tony Kennedy was the coach, and we generally played finals. And uh, there was a year in '91 where we got uh, got through after winning the second by about uh, seven or eight goals, and Elston uh, uh, we turned the tables on us in the big one. So that was a huge disappointment because they hadn't uh, hadn't won a flag in a number of years. So that was uh, that's something that I, uh, I you know I still think about, and it was the one that got away. No, they were good days, Nick. Really, really good days. Uh, enjoyed enjoyed Albert Park enormously. Well, you're part of a very exclusive group down at the Falcons. There's only five senior best and fairest winners, competition best and fairest, yourself being one back in 92. And I tell you, Joey, it's very rare, particularly for a forward to win a competition best and fairest. I should know this because back in the junior days at Mafra. So I can hear to this. So. Matty, what, what are your memories from that 92 season? I suppose, did you expect the competition best and fairest? Oh, look, no, you never expect you never expect those things. But I, I thought I'd, I'd get a few votes. We had, look, we had a, a, a number of really good players at the footy club, so I just I, I thought I'd, uh, uh, you know, I was just hoping I'd poll all right, but uh, ultimately got it in the end. And I think, um, uh, unless I'm very much mistaken, I think Jack McDonald won it uh, either the year before or the year after, and he was a, he was a terrific player, Jack. So, no, it was great. It was a real thrill to win it, and um, it's always an honour to get that sort of award, and uh, here you are, you know. 28 years after the event, remind me of it. <laughs> my, uh, my memories of that year were uh, pretty positive ones. Um, I remember the last game we played on, uh, I think it was Bren up near the zoo there. I knew it had been the last game there and I uh, set myself up for it and uh, I suppose we all spoke and I had a bit to say before the game and thought we were up and about. And, uh, you know, two hours later, we were walking off with a 20, 22 goal defeat. So that was, uh, that was a pretty ignominious way to end, uh, end my career at the uh, <laughs> at the ANZ Bank, but I've got to say, those four years when you're out and about and you're running and you're sort of in your 20s, um, and we were a pretty good team and we took it uh, quite seriously. We used to start training, you know, before Christmas, uh, which was probably unheard of for an F-grade team in those days, but uh, no, I loved it. Really, really enjoyed the four years at that footy club, and as I say, my one, one regret is not uh, being able to win it for the people that had uh, followed the footy club for years and years, and uh, um, yeah, we, were, uh, we had some pretty loyal fans that were uh, Following all we obviously all the old port jumpers still do. It's good to see that there are people that uh, thirty years later are still involved. There's people like Paul Shoppy and that that uh, um, was was down there when I was there and he was there before I got there. Uh, um, I don't know whether he's got an official capacity nowadays, but he was involved with that footy club for the best part of thirty years. So they're um, they're really good people and uh, yeah, enjoying the time. Uh, with the ANZ Bank. Manny, we appreciate you uh, going down memory lane for a few minutes with us today on the Club in Focus podcast. Uh, good luck for what 2020 has in store for yourself and for your son, Seb, at Old Trinity. Thanks for joining us. Good on you, Nick. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, guys. Nico, how good was that listening to Manny Nicolosi go down memory lane? Now, he's been around the Ammos for a very long time, as he mentioned, part of ANZ Bank side in the 90s, went to Zavs, and now he's got his uh, father, Seb, playing at Trinity. I mean, you've had a little bit to do with him over the journey, and he's an absolute delight to chat to. Absolutely fantastic. One of the most enthusiastic amateur supporters, and he supports the amateur status as firmly as anyone. He just loves the integrity of the competition. Obviously, he's a lawyer, so that comes pretty naturally to him, <laughs> but he's just one of the most enthusiastic and better blokes. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't realise that he played for the Zetters back in the day, and it was when we were doing our research for this and we saw that Emmanuel Nicolosi had actually won an E-section best and fairest. I thought that was absolutely amazing. And just despite him only spending four years there, just the memories that clearly he has are just all positive. And one of those 
Broncos memories, Nico, was that playing out at Oval 15. Now, I mentioned at the start that they've had seven home grounds. Now, have a listen to some of them. So they started out in 1954 at Yarra Bend in Fairfield. Two years later, they moved over to Caulfield Park and they trained on one of the dodgy ovals out at Princess Park just next to Carlton. They didn't actually get on to what is Icon Park these days. They were on the back oval somewhere training. In 1959, relocated to Oval 10. Uh, in 1963, this is my favourite one, relocated to Flinders Park. Do you know what Flinders Park is now, Nico? I do not. That is the Rod Laver Arena where the Australian Open Ooh. is played every year. So at one point, the ANZ Bank played out in that Olympic Park precinct, Flinders Park. 1978, as Manny mentioned, it was oval number 15 and they stayed there until 1995 where they had to relocate to East Bentley due to the Grand Prix upgrade in the precinct area. Now they're at Oval 20, which they've been at since 1996. Can you imagine the instability of not having a home ground until the last 20-odd years? It's amazing. Quite a few clubs have found themselves in somewhat similar situations. I don't think quite to that extent, to be perfectly honest. Seven different renewables and whatever it is. So, nah, fantastic for the club. I'm really looking forward to listening to Matt talk about We've, we've already spoken to Tyson about what's happened over the past few years. We've spoken to Manny about uh, you know 20 odd years ago, but now we can talk about now and what's happening with the club into the future. Time now, Nico, to have a chat to the current president, the modern day president of the Albert Park Falcons. His name is Matty Korstorfen, and he joins us. Hello, Matty. How you going, guys? We're going well, mate. How are you going? Uh, took over the presidency at the start of the year and then a global pandemic hit and <laughs> you haven't been able to really lead from the front in terms of being out the front on the Thursday night dinners ahead of the season. Yeah, it looked a bit of a different year, I guess, as first year as president, but um, you can probably only start this badly, I guess, for the season, but we're trying to do what we can to keep the boys motivated and the girls as, as well. So um, it's not a great start for me as, as president, but... Uh, it can only really get better from here. So how are you handling it, Matty? I mean, when you took on the role, I'm assuming you had some goals and, and key indicators that you wanted to hit going into season 2020, but obviously the landscape has changed completely and I'm sure you just, like everyone else, want to find the whole Albert Park community happy, safe and healthy during this time. Yeah, well, look, I mean, we started off pretty well. We had a lot of, we've got a very new committee, um, which all taking on new roles. So it was pretty of a learning curve for all of us really in there. Um, like the likes of Tyson, who stepped down, has still been instrumental in what he does for the club. Um, but look, we all had certain goals. I was in like uh, for sponsorship myself, and that was all going really well. And then obviously uh, the crisis sort of hit, and it's put everything on halt for a bit now. But um, we've got some plans in place that we're doing to with the coaches to motivate the boys and motivate the club. Um, so it's going pretty well, I guess, considering the circumstances. Matty, you've played over 100 games at Ely Park Sharks, also in the, in the amateurs, and you made the move to Albert Park recently. What were the reasons behind that? Yeah, I sort of, um, my body got the better of me at the end of my sort of career at Ely Park, and I was living in St Kilda, and I had a few mates that came down, and I wasn't going to play again, and they sort of said it was a good club and good fun. Um, so I came down a couple of years ago, and yeah, loved it, and loved getting involved in footy clubs, so I put my hand up and toss and sort of decided he wanted to step down and concentrate on some other things. So, yeah. And so you've had the women's team come in last year, but you've also got a midweek netball team as part of your community. I suppose yeah. how does it all work in together? Um, we see everything. You're quite active on social media, with, particularly with the netball team. So how does that all work in together? 
well, we've always had, I think for, like, since my time before, they've always had the girls' team, which was partners of the guys. So we made it sort of one club. Um, the girls' girls netball team actually run our canteen on Saturdays, and that's how they get some spenders for themselves. Um, but we're all in one club. A lot of the netballers are part of the female football team as well, which, um, I mean, that's probably been the best part of the club over the last couple of years anyway. Um, their numbers just keep increasing, and the girls actually love it. So, no, it's been really good. Um, it's a great environment down at the club, very family-orientated now, uh, instead of just having sort of two two male teams, which a lot of clubs do. It's, um, yeah, it's been really good for the club. And tell us about the women's team. Came in last year, clearly looks like they've brought a whole new level of enthusiasm down to the club. Can you tell us about the impact that they've had since they've come in? Oh, the club's in such a better position now that the women's team's there. Um, the whole environment of the club's changed for, for the better. The girls are just so organised and everything they do compared to the boys, I can tell you that. And <laughs> just the, the, it's more fun, all the functions are very, you can bring your partners down, your family. It's just more family orientated now. And I think it's instead of that boys club feel, it's really changed the club's dynamic in a way where everyone's welcome. Um, and the, look, the girls, the girls team's the best thing the club's done, in my opinion, throughout the time. I've been there long, but I know Tyson was the main driver for that and what he's done and getting the girls' team in has been unreal and it's just the best thing the club could have done. So, Matty, we spoke to Tyson Cattle a little bit earlier on in the podcast talking about the fact that the club is completely player-driven and if you're on yep. the committee and you're still playing, you're not eligible to be part of the, the leadership group in terms of an on-field perspective. Is that something you want to continue that legacy going for the Albert Park Footy Club? Yeah, I think that um, it works really well because when you've got off-field duties like the people on the committee, that's sort of what you need to concentrate on as well. I mean, we're all players as well, but in terms of captaincy and like leadership group, I think it needs to be players that aren't involved in the committee and it just helps run the club a lot better. Matty, last one before we let you go. You're now the president. It means you've got the challenge or is it exciting that you could be the president that brings the elusive premiership to Albert Park? Well, that's the dream. So fingers crossed we uh, get a, some sort of a season in and See how we go this year. Unfortunately, one short last year, but yeah, look, that's the aim. We want to get that, uh, yeah, the elusive senior flag. The club's had a long history, but we need to get that, and hopefully, well, while I'm president, we uh, sort that out. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, good luck for the season ahead if we do get some play later on in the year. Thanks for joining us and uh, allowing Albert Park to be the club in focus this week. Thank you very much. All right, thanks, guys. Cheers. This is the Club in Focus podcast. All thanks to Mechwood Care. They're a proud partner of the Ammo. has been around since 1959. And today we are focusing on the Albert Park Footy Club. And it's great pleasure, Nico, that we can welcome in to the program the new captain for 2020, Tommy Wilson. He joins us now. Hello, Tommy. How you doing? How are you coping not being able to get down to Albert Park, do some training? And, and in fact, at the time that we're recording this, it would have been uh, closing in on round two of the season. It's pretty uh, pretty tough, actually, um, not being able to get out there and train and, and um, be around the boys and, and the girls at the club and, and especially the game stuff, like like you just said, like coming into round two, we would have been right now. So, yeah, it's it's, it's tough, definitely. So how did you get involved in, in the club, Tommy? I think from all that we know, you're from Tassie. You came across yeah, to yeah. The, big, the big smoke, Melbourne. And uh, how'd you end up at Albert Park? Yeah, so I've been, over, uh, been in Melbourne for a, a bit over a year now and... Um, I moved over with uh, another Tassie boy, and we're doing a bit of research. And we're like, "Oh, we'll, we'll play." I was living on the road, literally just googled a few clubs, and and uh, 
checked a few results on how they went the year before and we thought, oh, we didn't want to kind of play too serious or anything like that and saw that uh, the Falcons were on the bottom of the ladder and 117. So we thought, oh, stop, we'll give it a go and, and go and play down there. Went to a few sessions and, um, yeah, the boys are, the boys and, and the girls down there are great. So we kind of we stuck around. We did mention that you only arrived at the club last year. You played all 18 games um, during the home and away season. How have you become captain, I suppose, after one year, I suppose? What was the buy-in sort of like and how did you feel around the club throughout your first season? I kind of, I don't know how like the kind of cap, captain eventuated, but I guess the, the buy-in from, from the club um, last year was, was awesome. It was kind of like we didn't really know if that's coming from Tassie and, and, and not playing amateurs before. Like it's a, bit, it's a lot different setup back home's a lot like a lot of older people around the club and all that kind of thing so to come into kind of to this league it was great um everyone at the club from the president um through to everyone on the committee you know under under 35 under 40 and it's kind of it was a very like we wanted to play socially and that's kind of what we got out of it and, and then um yeah i guess the captain side of things just kind of followed after that just um, playing a fair bit of footy and getting along really well with the boys and, and all that kind of stuff and had a chat to Jenks and kind of um, discussed a few things and he asked me about it and, and yeah, just kind of put the hand up and after kind of such a, a fun year last year and, and we were pretty successful apart from, you know, not getting getting the final game done but um, all of that kind of combined. So, Tommy, we've been talking a bit in this podcast about the fact that Albert Park haven't, at senior level, tasted the ultimate success. Last year, when you got into the grand final, was it talked about, the heartbreak of the previous four attempts and the fact that the club doesn't have a senior flag hanging up in the change rooms? Yeah, it was It was spoken about a little bit. Not necessarily the fact that we didn't have one hanging up, but there was a, there was a few discussions for, for some boys. And, and Noe, our captain last year, actually was around last time they were, uh, the club was, you know, successful and, and played in it played in the granny and he was the only one around still but I think there was a bit of discussion about how nice it would be to finally get it off the mark but it wasn't there wasn't any extra pressure I don't think around that like with the club being the way it is we don't have a lot of um, those older kind of guys around the club that have been there for periods so it wasn't that kind of big history but there was there was definitely the discussion about it and you know there was a lot of people around the club that would love to <laughs> to tick that tick that off the uh just from an off-field point of view, Tommy, I just want to talk about the club, particularly over the past 12 months. You've obviously introduced the women's teams, and I don't think it's any coincidence that your social media has gone through the roof also. What can you tell <laughs> us about the impact the girls have had, and I suppose how you guys like to promote yourselves across social? Like, I'm just looking on your Instagram page now. And we've got Beatsy in Japan just waving from distances. We've got the girls kicking toilet paper from frame to frame. We've got the boys and all their dogs in different photos. So I suppose, what's your focus in the off-field and in the socials, uh, in the social channels? Obviously, not not being around last year, or sorry, the year before, and kind of seeing how that was run previously. Like, definitely in the last, you know, six to 12 months, that's really stepped up. And I, and I think one of the girls, Mandy, actually runs a lot of that. But in regards to the, the women's club, the effect that that's had on, had on the club, and I haven't played at a club that's had a women's, a women's team there either. And it, it's, it's awesome dynamics. Like, you know, you've got, you're doubling the amount of people that are function. You've, you've got 50-50 split of girls and guys. It's a heaps different dynamic. And even, even just little things like little touches 
and stuff that you know that previously we weren't kind of doing and um in regards to like functions and that kind of thing has just uh, you know like the social side of things like you said the, the dog kicks and that kind of stuff it's just more engagement it's more you know posts and content that anyone who's looking at the club or is following the club or even thinking about playing can kind of get a better feel for, for what the club would be like if they were to come before they even come down so i think that kind of stuff now you've been there for just over 12 months do you feel like you're basically playing at home, your old home ground in Tassie. When you go down to the club, does it? Do you naturally just feel like you fit in and, and you've been there forever? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. It's uh, it's very, very welcoming. That's the right main reason we, we we decided to play, and that's the reason why we stuck around. You know, like everyone gets along really well, and being being a younger kind of club overall, it's yeah, it's great. The morale's great. There's lots of stuff going on at the moment. Even even now, you know, we're in lockdown and we can't train. We've started to get some Strava group stuff, and there's we've got a we're doing a trivia night every Tuesday via Zoom, and there's yeah there's all this stuff kind of happening, even though we still can't continue what we we would have been. Last one before we finish up, Tommy. In a sentence or two, can you describe what Albert Park Footy Club means to you? Friendships and fun, friendships and fun, and and drinks, some drinks as well. <laughs> Nick Armistead is waving his hands He's pumped about your last little answer Tommy we appreciate you <laughs> giving us some of your time this afternoon mate Take care in isolation Train hard and uh, when we finally get back on the field We can't wait to see yourself leading Albert Park into 2020 Awesome, thanks for the call lads Nico, this footy club has come a long way since 1954 When they were the Zetters, the ANZ Bank And now the Albert Park Falcons running around out at oval number 20 at Albert Park every week. Uh, it's been a fascinating half an hour, 45 minutes, talking all things Albert Park Footy Club. Yeah, it's been outstanding to talk to everyone involved over the past few years and even Manny from 20, 30 years ago to get that. And there's the rich history for a club that – and we keep bringing it up. And it's great to hear, though, when we do bring up the fact that they haven't yet won – a senior premiership, that that clearly burns deep in everyone that we've spoken to, and that is the main aim now, is that they win a senior premiership. Um, they've seen a heap of reincarnations over the years, but the fact that they're going so strong and they've overcome so many challenges, absolutely outstanding. I really do look forward to Hopefully we can get some footy this year because I'd love to see what they can do in Division 3. Absolutely. Nico, thank you for being part of our inaugural episode of the Club in Focus podcast. All thanks to Mequacare, of course, a proud partner of the Ammos who've been around since 1959. And we do urge, Nico, all clubs to reach out. Someone at your footy club did receive an email from Nick Armistead asking you to get in touch with the competition, to boast about your footy club, to brag about why they're so good, because we want to put all Ammos clubs in focus at the moment, while we're in the middle of this coronavirus pandemic, we need something to talk about, Nico. We're about to do some Bernard's Footy Club. I know that much for sure. Collegians I know have reached out to us already. Uh, there's a couple of others. We've put it on Brian Waldron to tell De La Salle to get their act into gear because we want to talk to the club out at Waverley Oval. And I'm sure you've got many more that are reaching out to you who want to be part of the Mequacare Club in Focus podcast. Absolutely. So remember, just get in touch with me. If it's even an email, if you don't have the job form link, get in touch with me. Let us know. That's what Tyson did. Give us all the information that you possibly can and let us, two blokes who are not shy of bragging about themselves at the best of times, let us do that for you. And Nico, as we're going to finish every one of these podcasts with, of course, we love hearing the club theme song. I mentioned at the start, Albert Park across the journey have had three different ones. 
Now, we managed to track down last year the prelim final win where they got into the grand final. Here is the Albert Park senior men belting out their famous Albert Park tune. <laughs> 